Hello, this is Victoria Moore Blakeney, Performance Curator at Public Energy Performing Arts, and this is Curator's Corner. Today on Curator's Corner, I'll be speaking with Deepti Gupta, who is a renowned Canadian choreographer working at the cutting edge of South Asian contemporary dance. Her choreography and solo works have been performed in Canada, India, and internationally. And she's coming to Peterborough, Nagojiwanong, for a residency at Public Energy Performing Arts, culminating in the world premiere of Snow Angels and featuring her solo work, The Lion's Roar, on April 6th and 7th, 2018. While Deepti is here in Peterborough, she will be giving a talk with Trent University, leading a workshop with the New Canadian Centre Women's Group, taking part in Q&As after both performances, and leading an Intro to Katak workshop, which is open to the public. I'm thrilled to be here with Deepti in the studio today. I have the pleasure of speaking with Deepti Gupta today about her works, Snow Angels and Lion's Roar. So Deepti, can you first tell me a little bit about Snow Angels? What was your inspiration behind this piece? Hi, Victoria. Thank you for having me. Uh, so Snow Angels was born in one winter when I was in Canada and it was uh, my dad was very sick and I was spending the winter in Ottawa and um I was going into the studio just to do regular practice work, but then I was taking long walks in the snow. And I remember the time when I was in high school or, or even younger, when we'd go out at night and line the snow and make angels. And I think because I was going through a time when I'm, potentially I was going to be watching my dad deteriorate, I felt like I needed uh, angelic support one could say that one wanted the angels around but also I think that the snow is such a magical time when you go out uh, after a fresh snowfall and go for a walk in the woods somehow you feel uh, the mystery of the snow and the beauty of the snowflakes and uh, it I carried that feeling into the studio with me and I felt like I wanted to bring that into my dancing somehow and uh, the idea just grew from there. That's beautiful. That's beautiful to be inspired by the natural world in that way. And so you began rehearsing on on your own body in the studio, and then it, it grew to be a performance of four dancers. Is that right? That's, that's correct. But there was another piece of this puzzle. Some years ago, I was doing a choreographic lab in Toronto uh, as part of uh, some research for myself on how to develop new work in uh, Katak or how to have more contemporary strategies for creating work. And at that time, I had a couple of dancers collaborating with me, and uh, I had uh, a composer who was just improvising, or a musician really at the time, a cello player, Nick Storing, he was improvising. And we were improvising little geometric uh, snippets of dance. And even way back then, I kind of got the sense of the geometry of snowflakes mm. and that idea also stayed with me so then when I went went into the studio to work on snow angels it was a combination of the ideas which were germinated back in 2012 in a choreographic workshop and then they were kind of revived through this walk in the woods and experiencing snow 
in a fresh way, in a fresh emotional state. I'm glad you mentioned Nick Storing because I was going to ask you, Nick Storing is a contemporary composer who, who has worked with, with many choreographers, Canadian choreographers, to develop scores for dance. And can you tell me what, what was it like working with Nick Storing on the score? And what is it like choreographing with a sort of the contemporary Kathak style that you work in with contemporary score music as opposed to um, traditional classical Indian music? Well, I think uh, Nick is a very challenging and brilliant uh, composer and musician. And because our relationship began in a choreographic lab space, which was very experimental, we were, we were all open to kind of improvise and try things out. And we were learning about each other. He was learning about the language and rhythm of Kathak, and we were learning about musical choices and interests that Nick had. So... It was a very fertile time, and many interesting ideas came out. Then we discovered that Nick uh, really likes to make music for dance, and also that he's he has a strong interest in international music and international dance forms as well. Mm. And we decided to continue exploring how we could work together. It's been a huge challenge, though, I think for both of us, because quite often Nick will make music that's very contemporary and new music and has no affinity to the traditional uh, Kathak form of dance or music. And then right. for me as a choreographer, it's a huge challenge to find out how to work with that music. Right. Yeah. And other times I want to do things which are very, tra- which involve very traditional rhythms. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it's a challenge for Nick to figure out how to cope with those, how to cope with those rhythms and, and put them into his music. <laughs> That's that's great. So it sounds like it's been a, a challenging but sort of fertile dialogue of, of each of you speaking in, in your different artistic languages and finding a way to communicate. I think so. And I think it's a, it's a relationship in progress mm-hmm. and uh, it will keep evolving. And uh, I think that, you know, sometimes, well, we're, although we're premiering Snow Angels now, sometimes I feel like there is a process that after we've created the piece and put it out, there may yet be a dialogue that continues to figure out how the music and dance can work better together uh, as time goes on, and it might yet evolve, because I think it's very new. What we're doing is so new, so cutting edge, Mm -hmm. that there's not a lot of history for it. There's not a lot of work we can look at and say, oh, this is what worked and this didn't work. Right. So we're really in new territory here. That that's great, yeah. Breaking new ground, so it's an open conversation that that it will continue to evolve that relationship between the the movement and the music, even after the the piece premieres. It sounds like. That's I think fantastic. so. I think it will. Yes. That's great. Um, my next question is about a little bit more about um, Kathak dance. Um, I know from the work that I've seen that facial expressions and precision as well as rhythm and storytelling are so important to this artistic form. For audience members who are seeing Kathak for the first time, what's the most important thing that that you'd like them to understand about this form? Oh, wow. Kathak is a very old dance form, and uh, it's a classical dance form from, from North India. By classical we would mean that it is very codified. It has parameters, it has technique, uh, and it takes a long, long time to learn. There's a very long training process. So 
I think the hallmarks of Kathak are that it has very interesting, uh, complex rhythms, which are made with the feet. The feet wear bells. We wear bells on our ankles, not feet, really. And we beat out very fabulous rhythms with those feet. And they are a very important part of, these rhythms are an important part of the language of Kathak. So some of the language of Kathak is really oral. It's the sound of different rhythms. Mm -hmm. And the dancers are almost acting like percussionists. Mm -hmm. And uh, then this is combined with um, movements of the arms and movements of the torso. And, but it's very percussive in many ways. So that's sort of the technical aspect of Gatak. But Gatak also has a long tradition of storytelling. Mm-hmm. And these storytelling uh, items or repertoires are done with hand gestures and, as you said, facial expressions. Mm-hmm. These are very important things. Mm-hmm. And the hand gestures are often like mime. You know, you will, you will show a flower or you'll show a bird uh, or you'll point to things. And mm-hmm. so they're gestures that are very universal Mm-hmm. in many ways. They're very easy to understand. And then the expressions help you to have emotion, drama, characters, all of those things. Mm-hmm. So I think that when people are watching, they should feel very comfortable that they can respond from their heart to the rhythms, which is a very universal thing. Mm-hmm. And um, emotions and expressions are also, again, very human Everyone can understand sad, happy, angry, (laughs) (laughs) you know, shy, boisterous, Mm -hmm. funny. So those are expressions. And uh, I think sometimes people get confused with with the hand gestures, thinking that there's something elusive or uh, mysterious about them, but not really. I think they're, they're really quite universal and easy to understand. It's just like mime. So I think that for the first uh, first time uh, audience goer, if you're watching Katak for the first time, you should uh, you can you can try to listen in for the rhythms and tap along, figure out if you're enjoying the rhythms, and enjoy the fluid movements, mm-hmm. and uh, look for look for a story if there is one. I want to come back to something that you said about the challenge of working with a with a contemporary score with the form um, of Kathak dance. And, and it sounds like in, in many ways it was an exciting but a challenge um, because, like you said, it's, it's breaking new ground. Was it also a challenge for the dancers then to work with such a contemporary score? It's actually very, very, it's been very difficult for the dancers because the choice to work with a contemporary score is mine as a choreographer. And most of these dancers are, well, all of them, really, are accustomed to working with traditional Indian music, which is specifically designed for Kathak. Mm-hmm. Kathak uh, in the traditional Kathak milieu, we have uh, a very symbiotic relationship between the dance and the music. Mm-hmm. There are special percussionists who play uh, tabla drums. The tabla is the most common percussion instrument to accompany Kathak. And there are special compositions that are played, which are dance compositions. So when we move away from that, and we've taken away the rhythmic structure that is the core, the heart and the soul of Kathak, then the dancers felt very lost for a time. They didn't know where to count or how to count. Mm -hmm. And they felt that they were missing what is the main kind of uh, impetus, the thrust of their own dance form. So it has been a great challenge. It means they have to find different intentions and different motivations for moving. 
they have to find new ways of counting. Mm-hmm. And uh, but on the other hand, after they get after they get used to that, or after they're able to let go of the traditional rhythmic structures, then they find it, they find an immense freedom. Then they can discover freedom of moving and expressing, which is outside those structures, and that's then a great discovery. Right, right. Because I guess it, it creates a, a gap, a, a new space, because right. it's not working in that symbiotic way between the dance and music. There's a there's a dissonance there that creates that's some room, right. some creative room. Wow. That's, that's fascinating. That's very exciting. Um, my last question is just to ask you about Lion's Roar, the solo that you'll be performing here in Peterborough, Nogajiwanong, while you're, you're in town. Can you tell us a little bit about um, the inspiration behind creating the solo work? Sure. So the Lion's Roar refers to a method of Buddhist teaching. When, there's powerful, when there, in history there's been powerful Buddhist teachers uh, and they speak with great integrity and strength. It is called speaking like the lion's roar. Mm-hmm. And it also implies people who have taught in all four directions. There's an ancient Buddhist emblem in which there are four lions facing four different ways. And um, so this implies the lion's roar. But the inspiration for this piece is uh, an early female Buddhist teacher by the name of Queen Sri Mala, who lived in at the as was a contemporary of the Buddha in India, and she had a vision of the Buddha, and became a teacher, and she was blessed with the gift of powerful teaching, and she wrote a sutra called the Sutra of the Lion's Roar of Queen Srimala. and um, a friend of mine in China actually sent me. She's a Canadian who's living and teaching in China, and she sent me a link saying, you might be interested in this character of Queen Srimala because she's a powerful female character. And so I started researching her and decided to try to create a contemporary solo that would explore her journey to becoming a teacher Mm. and realizing her own power. Wow. And are there autobiographical elements in that? Um, Not really. I mean, I start out with some narration, which is in the piece from the actual sutra, and autobiographical for me, it's a little bit, you can say, well, I, I'm a breast cancer survivor. So I think that when I was going through my treatment and recovery, I felt like I was moving through a dark passage and coming out into the light. Mm. And I think that when I read the Sutra of uh, Queen Srimala, I felt that she was talking about a similar kind of process. So you, you could say, in a, in a way, it is a reflection of my experience of, of, of that healing journey that I did. Mm-hmm. But I think it's not, it's not very literal at all. It's, it's, it's a very contemporary piece. Mm-hmm. In, and I think that I, I made this piece before Snow Angels because when you're moving into the contra- contemporary realm, it's important to work on one's own body and find out ways of going beyond the traditional Gatak technique and going beyond traditional ways of working before you can start working with a group. Right. So in, when, in many ways, it was a bridge piece for me mm. so that I could do this exploration with myself. And actually, the music for the Lion's Roar is also by Nick Storing. So actually, okay. Nick and I spent 
a couple of year, a couple of years developing this relationship mm-hmm. of how to work together right. mm-hmm. before we embarked on a major piece like Snow Angels. Mm-hmm. Deepti, thank you so much for speaking with me today. It's been an absolute pleasure, and I so look forward to both Snow Angels and the Lion's Roar in two weeks' time coming to us um, here uh, with Public Energy Performing Arts. And thank you so much for speaking with us today. You're very welcome. I'm so excited to be speaking to you, and the whole team is very much looking forward to coming to Peterborough. We can't wait. Oh, good. Oh, good. Excellent. (laughs) All right. We'll see you soon. Take care. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye-bye. Curator's Corner is a production of Public Energy. Public Energy is artistic producer Bill Kimball, performance curator and podcast host Victoria Moore-Blakeney, and myself, Eva Fisher, the administrator and podcast producer. We'd like to thank Rob Fortin, who composed and performed our theme music, which is also performed by Susan Newman and M. Glasspool. 